0: And Off-Street family, it's good to have you join with us this evening for our ministry update. Uh, We're going to be doing it just a little bit different this evening. Uh, Brother Wade McGee will be joining me here in just a moment for an interview. Uh, Due to the snow, he was unable to make the trip down from Philippi, and so we're doing this through a Zoom session. We've not done it like this before, so um, Michael Fry is helping out, as he does with so many of our uh, technical issues here. And so I trust this comes out where you can see it and hear it um, and we will be able to enjoy it this evening. Uh, just a few prayer requests to bring uh, to your attention. I know many of you have been praying for these ongoing medical, uh, physical needs in our church family. Uh, Carson Goodman uh, leaves today. It's a little boy in our church family that has uh, cancer, a very rare form of cancer. Uh, child cancer, and so we continue to pray for him. He leaves today. He and his mom and dad leave for uh, Morgantown, and Carson will also be seeing a hearing doctor this time. He has uh, suffered loss of hearing in one of his ears. He will do his chemotherapy tomorrow evening, and then um, it is just a one-day treatment this cycle, and he should be back in Charleston back home on Friday or Saturday. So continue to pray for the entire family, for Carson, his mom and dad, uh, Courtney and Thomas, uh, grandparents, uh, Carrie and Bill Gleason are in our church as well, the whole Gleason family, as well as grandparents, Bob and Sandy Underwood. So continue to pray for this family. Uh, Sean and Julia and Samuel are back in Charleston now, Uh, Sean will continue his treatments here, his chemotherapy and his immunotherapy. Uh, Those are supposed to take place sometime this week. And so you continue to pray for Sean and his family, Uh, continue to reach out to them. They very much appreciate not only your prayers, but your texts, emails, uh, different ways that you are uh, engaging with them. Uh, Debbie Hodge is at the Cleveland Clinic uh, continuing her radiation treatments for her cancer. Uh, They are very encouraged and thankful for the team of specialists. Uh, It's a very rare form of cancer that Debbie has and there is a specialist there at the clinic that is helping them through this time. Uh, She only has 20 more radiation treatments. If you're real familiar with Debbie and Terry, you know that they're such a good witness for Christ. They've had many opportunities to share the gospel. Uh, They're very upbeat about this. And so uh, you continue to ask God's grace to sustain them, giving them opportunities to share Christ, uh, also just for her healing. Uh, Lori Greathouse uh, has cancer as well. She went through chemo and a variety of uh, treatments. Uh, The major form of cancer uh, has been taken from her body at this time, but she also has kind of a very slow-growing cancer that they're concerned with, and so she has uh, regular immunotherapy uh, as well, and she'll have her next one uh, up at uh, the James Cancer Center in Columbus on uh, December, next Thursday, December the 10th. So continue to pray for them. All these families wanted me very much to communicate to you, our church family, that they deeply appreciate your prayers, your concern, your interest in their lives. And I would encourage you to continue to pray for them. Uh, send a note, a text, an email, something, uh, sharing a verse of scripture, just letting them, you, letting them know that you are thinking of them is a great blessing in their hearts. As we mentioned Sunday morning, we had a recent birth in our church. We have several ladies that are expecting, uh, but little Zebulon Mitchell Tuggle was born last Friday. Uh, he's a big boy, nine pounds, eight ounces. Uh, Ashley uh, is doing well, the mom and Mitch is doing well. Uh, brother Graydon and Sister Hattie Mae are also enjoying the little baby. Uh, Mitch said yesterday he has a hard time keeping them from kissing on him all the time, Uh, but little Zeb is home and everybody is doing well. So we're grateful for that. Just a few missionary updates as well. Uh, Keith and Kristen Miller, uh, as you know, have sold their home here in Charleston, moved down to Alabama to be with Keith's parents. Keith's dad has cancer, and so they're able to help the family. Uh, They continue their preparation for going to Ghana. As you know, they were supposed to have left uh, this month, but due to COVID all their training sessions have been set back and so they uh, will be continuing to engage in uh, preparation for going to Ghana. They hope to be back with us in one of our services over the Christmas holiday. Uh, Kristen's parents live in Beckley and so they'll be coming back to spend Christmas with them and we hope to see them again and of course they'll be with us uh, before their send off sometime the early part of 2021. Kathy Furman received a note from her this week. Uh, she continues to do well. You remember Mark and Kathy have been missionary uh, we've been supporting them for a number of years. Uh, Mark had a just a wonderful ministry of training pastors in China. Uh, he died very suddenly a few years ago. Kathy has continued to uh, engage in ministry. They live up in the Cedarville area of Ohio. She has a ministry at Wright State. She also teaches English as a second language. She uses those opportunities to engage in witnessing for Christ. She did mention kind of an interesting dynamic. She's doing her ministry there at Wright State. She has an English club, and so she has a lot of foreign students, of course, in that. But she said because of Zoom, she's had some students from foreign countries able to join in with them. And so that's a very interesting dynamic that takes place during this uh, time of COVID. Uh, So you continue to pray for Kathy. She's had some minor surgeries this year, but each one of them has been successful. She also appreciates our church family's prayer. McFarland's continued to do well as they're settled in in their stateside ministry. Uh, They're primarily attending down at Risen King, uh, our church plant down in the valley, uh, they are engaging there in worship and service, and I know a great blessing to Pastor Peter and the, the folks there at Risen King. Continue to pray for them, pray for New Hope Uganda. Uh, they're going through some uh, just uh, typical ministry-type transition things there at uh, in Uganda, and so you continue to pray for that ministry. Also heard from Ozark Leap, a longtime missionary who has uh, dedicated his life, his wife, Uh, Darlene passed away a couple years ago. Ozark has continued to uh, be faithful in his ministry, uh, sending radio broadcasts into the Navajo Nation, as well as sending Bibles, conducting Bible studies. Uh, The Navajo people have been very hard hit with this COVID. Many have lost their lives, and uh, so you can imagine a great deal of fear and anxiety among the people. Uh, Ozark has continued to be extremely faithful in reaching out to them, and so uh, I trust that you're able to capture these, uh, uh, this information. We'll be able to pray for them. Let's take just a moment before the interview and pray for these physical needs for our church family as well as for our missionary families. Father, we thank you for the time that we can spend together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the ministry of Randolph Street over these past uh, 90 plus years. Thank you, Father, for Uh, the health of the ministry here. Thank you, Lord, for our people. We pray your blessing upon them, strengthen them, give them grace through these days of COVID and the many challenges that come for those who work in the health industry and exposed to COVID day in and day out, uh, just uh, the overwhelming needs in that area for first responders that are a part of our church as well as just each family, Lord, I pray you'd be with them for parents that are navigating these strange times with their children who are in school. So, God, we pray you grant much grace. Might our people be in your word, be sustained and strengthened and given wisdom through your word. I pray, Lord, that our witness would go forth. We pray particularly for those who are going through difficult times uh, physically, for little Carson, for Sean and Debbie and Lori. Lord, as each one battles cancer, that you would, Father, by your kind and gracious hand, uh, bring healing to their body, take this cancer away. I pray for doctors and those who attend these folks that you would give them much wisdom. I pray, Lord, for family members that have to uh, give care during this time and the anxiety of uh, the feeling of not being able to do anything. And so I pray, Lord, that. Again, your word would bolster their hearts, encourage them, bring comfort to them, give them wisdom with decisions that they might need to make. I pray for the Tuggle family. We thank you for the gift of little Zeb to that family and pray your continued blessing upon them. For our missionaries, for Keith and Kristen, as they continue to prepare for their ministry in Ghana, thank you for their lives, Lord, for the joy and privilege it is for Randolph Street to send them to this country to be able to be a witness for Christ. For Kathy, we thank you for her long-term ministry, her faithfulness over the years. For Keith and Laura Beth and their family as they are here in the states in our area for their ministry there at Risen King during their stateside ministry. We also pray for New Hope Uganda, for the leadership. God, give them wisdom, give them the ability to work through some of the challenges that are facing them right now also pray for Brother Ozark. Thank you for his faithful ministry. Pray for the uh, Navajo people, for the believers that are there. Strengthen them. Give them courage and boldness to bear witness of Christ. And Lord, for those who are engaging in Bible studies, God, we pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to draw them to Christ. So Lord, we lift up these particular needs to you. Pray for our interview. We thank you for Brother Wade, for his ministry there at Living Waters and Pray that our interview would be a help to our people to get to know him better, to be able to faithfully engage in praying for him, for his family, and for his ministry. In Christ's name, amen. Well, Brother Wade, it's good to have you with us today. Um, he is uh, doing his, this interview from his home there in Philippi. Uh, do you live right in the Philippi area?
1: We do. We live uh, just a few minutes outside of Philippi. It's kind of in the country, but but again, so is Philippi. So yeah, yeah, we we just live just outside of town.
0: Very good. Well, thank you for this time. He was going to make the trip down and they have a little more snow and uh, bad weather up there than we have here in Charleston. And um, he has some challenges with his eyesight. I'm sure you'll mention at some point, I know that God has used that in your life and ministry and shaping you and uh, but it is a significant challenge that faces you. So, um, Wade, tell us a little bit about your family, kind of introduce yourself uh, to our church family.
1: Sure. So uh, my name's Wade McGee, and I'm born and raised in in Philippi, West Virginia. And uh, my wife, Jamie, we've been married 26 years. This past September was 26 years. And Jamie is from Grafton, which is only about 30 minutes or so from from Philippi and uh, she and i both attended alderson brought used to be college and now it's university uh here in Philippi and i met her there she was a she was a basketball player and uh i was working on a degree in sports medicine i was the, the student trainer for the basketball team so that's how we met and uh, so we've been married 26 years we have two kids uh wes our son is just turned 22 and he lives in clarksburg and works for city net he does uh some kind of fiber optic, something or other, with them. I'm not sure exactly what it is. And our daughter Jordan is a is a junior at Marshall, um, <laughs> and so got got the Marshall gear uh, even up here in Mountaineer country. But uh, so she's 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 down in Huntington, and uh, she's got another another year and a half, and and she'll be done there. So so that's 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 our family. So we're empty nesters at this point.
0: Very good. I've had the joy of meeting, uh, I know Jamie quite well, and your children. I've met them. I know uh, you came down a couple times to Charleston. Wes was on a, a very competitive team, went to the state tournament uh, in track, and I remember uh, we meeting up at Tudors when you would come down for yep. the state meet. I always enjoyed that, and uh, Wade's got a wonderful family. We thank the Lord for it. Uh, his wife has been such a help uh, to him, I had forgotten the story. I think you had told me about how you and Jamie met, but that's uh, that's quite an interesting story. And I assume Jordan is home for the uh, the holiday, or is she still down at uh, in Huntington?
1: She was home for for close to a week. She's back in Huntington now. She um, this year was really blessed to be able to get a, an RA position. Good. So. Uh, so she had to go back uh, Friday after Thanksgiving, and she'll be there for another week and a half, and then I think she'll be home for about a month. Okay, very good. So, um, give us some background on
0: God bringing you to Himself, saving you, and then your call to ministry, and then uh, kind of follow up with God, how God has uh, how you have prepared uh, for being able to serve the Lord.
1: Okay. Well, I was—it's um, kind of a, a weird story. I was my, my mother and my grandmother, kind of like a, a Lois and Eunice. Mm-hmm. They were very, uh, very faithful in taking my sister and I to a local church um, all, all of my, my childhood, which is really good. The bad part of it is, and this was to no fault of of them, it was it was not a church that was big on preaching the word on the gospel, um, I'll, I'll leave it at that as far as what the church was. So I had some church background, but really wasn't exposed to the gospel until I was in college. And uh, When Jamie and I started dating, then I, I started going to the church with her, was exposed to the gospel and was saved in, in 94. Um, but even at that point, I, I was just really, really ignorant of, of discipleship and so I wasn't even baptized until 98 I really didn't even know that my next step was was to be baptized I knew I, I needed to to be right with God and I made it that far but that was really about it so my uh, my, my growth was really really slow um, through those those early years and then in 2005 I, I started to sense a a call to the ministry of the word and uh, at the time my dad was doing some itinerant preaching and and I remember um, reading at the end of Luke 10 uh, like 38 to 42 the account of Martha and Mary and and uh, sharing with my dad I said dad this really would, would make a good sermon yeah. and uh, my dad just kind of jokingly said well you know Wade uh, That's typically not how I I arrive at at sermons is not typically through someone else. Have you thought about the fact that maybe the the Lord's revealing that to you for you to, to preach or teach. And uh, so that kind of started that process. And um, I was at a a Southern Baptist meeting, associational meeting around that same time and a brother from uh, Indian Creek Baptist church up in Tyler County. Was preaching again in Luke on uh, counting the cost, uh, uh, and and that is really when the the Lord just really impressed upon me that 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 was the the next step I needed to take was into um, into ministry. Now at the time, uh, Jamie was home with both of our kids. I was working in pharmaceutical sales, so I, I didn't immediately leave and and go to seminary. I've not followed a, a traditional path by any means when it comes to training and preparation, um, I, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, I, I've taken some classes through through Liberty, through RTS, but as far as actually having a, a seminary training, I, I really don't. It's been a lot of self-paced. It's been a lot of just online things. I, I did some work through a seminary um, that I I later learned was really more of a a diploma mill (laughs) is what people call it so you give them a a little bit of money they'll give you classes but they really didn't amount to a lot so it's been a lot of self-study a lot of um, reading and and just uh, uh, bugging people like Tim and and Jason and Mike Argerbright if you guys know him and so that that's really been my, my preparation there has been some formal preparation but uh, certainly not as much as, as most people in a traditional setting would have had.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we have done three or four of these interviews thus far and have a few more to go, uh, but your story almost perfectly echoes those of the other men. One, all of them seem to be, you know, from their local area. Uh, Brother Jared Belcher down in Williamson grew up in that area, Justin Williams is from that particular area in uh, Eastern Kentucky where he now ministers and pastors. Um, Brother Mark White is a West Virginia guy. He's down in Huntington. And so it's just interesting to me that uh, God in Appalachia calls men who have a heart for Appalachia. It's hard to get people to come here uh, from outside and give their lives to planting a church and staying with it and training people. And also, very few have gone through a traditional way of of study. Uh, most of them have done what you did, what, for a large part, I did in my early days of ministry is God, by His grace, connected me with some really good books and authors uh, where I could learn the, the, the truth of God's Word through just study and kind of plowing through those things and getting help from other people as I needed it, so... I, I rejoice in God's good hand. You know, every one of us come through a different uh, pathway. Uh, and, you know, you talked about it kind of being weird. And yet you, you think about God's grace and the, the complexities and the variety of lives and bringing us to a central truth of the gospel. So I, I certainly rejoice in that. But when I first met you, uh, you were pastoring a church. Uh, I think kind of between Clarksburg and Philippi, if I I know I was at the building, I can't remember exactly where it was. Tell us a little bit about that, and then your transition over to Living
1: Waters, how all that took place. Okay, well, we were, yeah, it was called Grace and Truth Fellowship, and it was a, again, air quote, church plant. It it was not not at all what um, really a church plant it just wasn't well thought out. It was, it was a group of people who uh, in, in our area, you know, expositional preaching is just very, very uncommon. It's it just hard to find. Uh, certainly the doctrines of grace are uncommon and hard to find. And so there was a, a group of people that, that decided, let's, let's start a church. And there was just not, a, there was a lot of youthful exuberance. There was not <laughs> a lot of Uh, planning and forethought that went into it so we started Grace and Truth Fellowship in uh, 2009 Uh, we'd started meeting just as a bible study and it just kind of progressed into you know let's let's plant the church Um, so that was in 2009 and yeah we met we met in a lot of different places we met um, uh, Mark Farnsworth, one of the elders we met. He, he's a local physician. We met in his waiting room a couple times. <laughs> we met in a local city facility. We met in an old bar for uh, quite some time. A uh, guy let us use that for free, so we met there. And then, yeah, when uh, Tim, when you were up, and a lot of the other guys that came up from Randolph Street, we were kind of between out in just down in the rural area between Clarksburg and Philippi. In, a, in an old church building that had been essentially abandoned and they let us use it. So yeah, it was a really
0: cool building.
1: It was, it was really nice. and I mean, it, it worked well. I mean, it had ample parking and it, it was just, just in the middle of nowhere. It was an old, I think it was an originally a Methodist church. And if you know this area, Methodist churches are just planted everywhere. Every little community had one, which was great. probably in that time, but where it doesn't serve well right now. So, <laughs> So we did that up until 2014, and we we were very small. We we didn't really experience a lot of growth. Um, We we had a a few families. And again, in God's providence, we had a a family that um, uh, one of the elders of our church had to move uh, to Parkersburg for work. He was actually working in Parkersburg, and he drove every Sunday, he and his wife, to Philippi. Uh, to, to be in the church meeting for months and if you know the area that's about an hour and a half one way so I mean just a, a tremendous brother to be willing to do that um, but eventually it got to the point where he, he needed to to join with the church there in Parkersburg we had another family that had to move back to Pennsylvania for work and, and so again in God's providence it, it really uh, kind of decimated the, the church body at that same time or around that same time, there was an overlap where I met a guy named Mike McAdam, who was originally from Ohio, and he was pastoring Living Water Church that met actually up at the AB College. And Mike and I hit it off. We, we had a lot in common. He, he was learning and growing in the, the doctrines of grace and, and just a really solid brother. And uh, he and I developed a really good relationship. And so in that time frame where Grace and Truth was uh, seeing some some folks leaving, uh, we knew that we could join with Living Water Church and and be, be in a good place and a good church. That was one of the struggles is, so we have this, this little struggling church, but if we don't have this little struggling church, where do we go? Because our area is just... Um, you know, when you get outside of Morgantown, there's not a lot of, uh, of solid reform-type works. Uh, so with, with Mike at Living Water Church, we, we felt comfortable that we could uh, kind of merge in with them, but it really wasn't a merger. We, Grace and Truth Fellowship closed, and, and we went in with, with Living Water Church. So that we closed right at the end of, um, of 2014 is when we closed up. And it was at that same time Tim had mentioned my vision problems. I was born with a, a condition called optic nerve atrophy, which really is just to say large portions of my optic nerve just aren't there. So my vision is really, really poor. And I had to surrender my driver's license in, I think it was 2010 or 2011, because of my vision. And that, that was a very, very humbling season. And those of you that have any kind of disability, you, you know what that's like. I did not. And that was very humbling to, uh, to just not be able to go anywhere, to rely on other people for transportation. And in God's providence, um, Mark Farnsworth, who I mentioned earlier, was listening to something one Saturday morning on, I think it was NPR, of all things. And they mentioned a bioptic driving program for people with low vision. And Mark called me and said, is that something you've ever heard of or looked into? So, nope, never heard a thing about it. Well, I did some research and, and West Virginia has that program. So, in 2014, I was able to go to uh, the Department of Rehab there in Charleston and do a, I think it was three weeks, a three-week course on driving and using special glasses. So, I can now drive. I can only drive during daylight hours. Um, and I still do, still prefer <laughs> Jamie to drive, although Jamie doesn't always prefer to drive. Especially when roads are bad, so last night was a little little tricky for her. But um, so yeah, so I was down, and, and you know Tim was gracious enough to to come get me some of those mornings that I was staying there in Charleston and come over to some meetings the brothers had there. So long story longer, um, I was able to get my my license back, and I can now drive during day daytime hours. So fifteen, we we moved in with Living Water Church, most of. Grace and Truth Fellowship ended up at Living Water Church, and and that was I was working a secular job, and you know that was just kind of the plan uh, was was just to move in and stay there. Mike was an expositional preacher, and we enjoyed that, um, but it wasn't long—maybe probably less than a year—of being there. Uh, Mike asked me to meet him for breakfast, and okay, so we went out to breakfast, and Mike shared with me that. Um, his plan was to to leave he wanted to go closer to his family in Ohio and um he and his family just never really felt this was home kind of what you said Tim but yeah Appalachia just and again they're good good folks but just not at home here and so uh he, he threw out the the idea of me becoming the assistant pastor and then eventually taking over when he left and And that is what happened. In in 17, I started their process with, we're a Christian Missionary Alliance affiliated church, started their process for licensing, became the assistant pastor, uh, and then started in their process for ordination. And uh, Mike left in July of 2019, and I stepped into the lead pastor role at that time.
0: Well, I rejoice in that. You know, Wade, one of the things that I have deeply appreciated about you just knowing you as a brother in Christ is your faithfulness. Uh, you have been faithful through very difficult times to go through something, you know, the, the closing of a church that had to be difficult, but you just never stumbled. You got right in there. You kept going, you served uh, even without a pastoral position. And I've, I've appreciated that a great deal. I admire that and anyone being faithful to God, not necessarily to a, you know, a church somewhere but being faithful to the Lord and to, and to Christ's body. and so I I thank the Lord for his ministry of grace in your life. Thank you, Brian. you you've mentioned um, you know the, the fact that you're reformed just like we are. Um, that's one of the things that kind of knits our network together, not so much around the bonds of a, a denominational affiliation. you're a part of the Christian missionary Alliance. we've had men, Some are in Southern Baptist, some kind of in a a little looser Baptist type of setting. But what draws us together is our connection and understanding and love for the doctrines of grace. How did God bring you to that position? You're kind of like me. I grew up in a very liberal church, going to church as a kid. Um, And so it was far, far away. Even when I began ministry, it was a very... You know, in almost in opposition to the doctrines of grace until I was exposed to some teaching and God brought me to that point. How did the Lord bring you to uh, this position of uh, the doctrines of grace?
1: Uh, yeah, again, as you said, just uh, no, I had no clue what the doctrines. if you had asked me, you know, in, in my late teens, early 20s, even as a church going kid about doctrines of grace, I would have had no clue. Um, you know, I heard a guy say one time that we are, we are born glory robbers. We want to take credit <laughs> for everything, and that was me. I would have, I would have quickly taken credit for everything, and I really, I had no intent of pursuing it, studying it. I had no one in my circles that, that uh, that thought that way. Myself and, and this other brother I mentioned, his name is Ord Delaney. Uh, if anyone's in the Parkersburg area, he he is in he's in Parkersburg. He and I we're both in a, in a church. I did not even as a, a pastor at the time and just started seeing things in scripture. Amen. <laughs> we, we're, we're just reading scripture and, and here like, so did, did you see that? Like in Ephesians one, what, what, <laughs> what does, what does that mean? You know? And so he and I just, we, we just started seeing these things and, and, and it wasn't isolated. It was, everywhere we turned we, we started to see these things and that's really how I, I came to it and then I was I was preaching in Titus of all places later on in in Titus 3 and really really came to understand the depravity of man um, and some of the people that I was preaching to were not quite as pleased with my understanding <laughs> of the depravity of man at that point but that's how it that's how it started and so then that's when I, I um, guy that used to be up at Grace Chapel with Mike Arterbright named Andy Smith. I don't know if you remember Andy or not, but yeah. Andy and I had met in some Southern Baptist circles. And um, so through Andy, I met Mike Arterbright and, and that kind of just expanded from there. But again, it wasn't until later on that I would read a particular book or listen to a particular preacher and, and understand it. it. It was simply from, from reading God's word and, and the spirit just illumining the text. Amen.
0: It's interesting. Though, the last fellow we interviewed, uh, Jared Belcher, it was the Titus 3 passage that kind of set his heart in that direction as well. So it's kind of an interesting uh, <laughs> is.
1: combination
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, as I began to preach more and more expositionally and couldn't hide from different texts, uh, it, it just was clear. I mean, it was hard for me. It took me a while. And yet, you know, I thank the Lord for giving me insight into the scriptures to see what is so clearly there. So I rejoice in that. Um, Who has been some of the, had a real influence in your life, maybe an author, a preacher? Uh, You mentioned Ord, certainly as a friend has been a help. I know Mike Argerbright has been a great blessing to you. Anyone else that you've read that has particularly shaped your thinking and been a help to you personally in your development of ministry? Uh, Jason McClanahan.
1: I'll
0: send that to him.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as, like you said, uh, Mike Arterbright, um, uh, Mark and, and Ord yes. brothers that I've served with for such a long time. Um, as far as uh, listening, I don't even know if anyone really will, will probably recognize this name. He, he's not a guy that that would hold to the doctrines of grace. Uh, but a guy named Johnny Hunt, who was the pastor at First Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia, uh, Southern Baptist Church. I don't even know, Tim, how I ended up hearing him for the first time, but I think he was probably the first person that I really heard preach expositionally. Mm. I, I remember him preaching through uh, the early part of, of Second Peter, That that passage of adding to your faith virtue and <laughs> virtue knowledge and and I think that was one of the the guys that just really opened up for me the the possibility of uh, expositional preaching. Mm-hmm. Up until then, I had heard like most anyone else, you know, the Charles Stanley's yeah. of the world, and um, I had never sat under expositional preaching. I mean, for years, I just it was always just topical right. preaching. So. And that was big, and like it, probably anyone else in, in this current generation, John MacArthur. I mean, he's such a prolific author and um, and and speaker. Um, so I, I was obviously influenced by reading a lot of of his stuff. You know, the Gospel According to Jesus, and um, some of those. Another guy that is kind of a, an odd one that people may not know. We went myself and Mark Farnsworth. And a guy named Bobby Thomas, who was a pastor at the Southern Baptist Church in Tyler County, we went to a conference, um, conference on the church and theology. I believe it was in Indianapolis. This would have been back in like 2009, because John MacArthur was going to be there speaking. We're like, hey, you know, it's pretty close. Let's go. And we went. They had this other guy named Bruce Ware, (laughs) and we all left that conference going, man, Bruce Ware is an incredible preacher and has an amazing grasp on the word of god amen and um his book god's greater glory was one of those that just man just opened up to me like isaiah 10 and and the idea of compatibilist free will Um, and and i've used that to explain that to people over the years and, and help people understand you know how how god's will god's sovereign will is compatible with man's free will (laughs) So so those are some of the guys as far as preaching and and reading that that have have probably influenced me, some from a a Calvinistic perspective and some not. Amen. Well, I appreciate that. Um,
0: I failed to mention, I should have said this a little bit earlier, you're talking about preparation for ministry. I know that you are now engaged in our academy here, and we're glad to have you. I know you and Jamie came down for... Uh, the last class and stayed mm-hmm. over for the weekend and uh, worshiped with us here at Randolph Street. So church family, as we have these classes, look for Wade. I hope you'll be able to continue that. And um, you know, we rejoice in that. Some folks in our church have been just very kind to help financially. So we're able to help uh, Brother Wade in this way. And so I rejoice uh, in that particular aspect as well.
1: Well, during
0: these uh, strange days of COVID, uh, how are you ministering to your people? Have you done anything different? Are you meeting in person or kind of what's been your journey? We,
1: we've probably like everyone else, we have, we have dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, so we have used uh, Zoom and uh, Google Hangouts right now. We've landed on, google meet because they've kind of phased out hangouts and meet and uh i guess we're we're kind of chancy we don't have to pay for it and, <laughs> then, and there's there's no time limit even though the quality is not quite as good as zoom that's been our experience but we use that on sunday nights for a, a book club so we're we've, we've been reading through some trying to read through some good theological and practical books we've got a handful of people that that get in on that uh we went through a season where. We were doing a, a live stream through YouTube. We've got a guy in our church who's our our tech guy. He's very tech savvy. And and even though we're a small church, he, he helps us do a lot of things with that. So we did that for several months. Um, and as you know, and, and no one else will probably know this, we were meeting on the campus of Alderson Broaddus University, had been for years, but we had a building, had purchased a building in Philippi and it was an old building 100 year old building and man these guys had completely gutted and renovated this building i'm just a tremendous amount of work had gone into it and we were waiting um on fire marshal approval so it was always this little punch list of okay we're if we can get these these couple things done (laughs) then we can move in and you get them done it's like oh yeah well you got to get this done too. and so it was this long process well in june um the the fire marshal gave us the approval to use our building well june's right in the middle of covid so we finally rejoice that we get to move into our building but we really don't get to move into our building so we met outside for most of the summer and clear through september so every sunday morning we we met outside um and then obviously we ran out of weather so in october we moved inside so we we have our our sunday morning meeting and uh, we moved our midweek to Tuesday to accommodate a couple families' work schedules, which has really worked out well. So that's what we're doing right now. They still live stream our, our Sunday services for we have a, a handful of folks that haven't decided to come back and join. The vast majority of people have. Good, good. Uh, and so that's, that's what we're doing. What are you preaching on right now? Oh, man, I am finishing up a series, uh, Lord willing. Next Sunday, the 13th, I will finish up preaching through Hosea. Oh, my. And that's about halfway through it. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it, it's been interesting. It has been, uh, I mean, it's an Old Testament prophet. So it's a lot of, you get to see the character of God, but you, you see a lot of the sinfulness of man mm-hmm. it, it, at points where it's really, really just ugly. But uh, it's the word of God. And so I, I try to, um, but once a year, my, my plan, my desire is, is to preach something from the Old Testament and, and to tie that in. And, and Hosea, it's not hard to bring the gospel and, and the Amen. life of Christ Amen. into it. There's so many quotes that are picked up. You know, this week I'm preaching the, the portion that Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 15 Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And so, so you can get to the gospel, but uh, it's been rough. <laughs> in a lot of places, it's been rough. Um, early in the year I preached through James and the next year, my, my plan right now is to preach through first Timothy just to give our church. a. a, I think that's a great letter where where Paul's intent is to show us this is, this is what the church is to look like. This is how we, how we function. So, so I I hope to do first Timothy and maybe Ezra next year. Very good. Uh, we have what kind of a
0: loose-fitting uh, network of churches. There's no official uh, title there or organization, uh, yet we have several churches that have kind of band together for ministry. Uh, give me a little bit about your thought. Do you feel like something like this is important? Has it been helpful to you to be able to be connected to some of the pastors that are a part of our, our network?
1: Yeah, it, it's been a, a tremendous blessing because of the the centrality of the gospel and the doctrines of grace so so being a part uh, previously in the sbc and now in the cma uh, there's similarities and there's differences Uh, one of the similarities is the gospel is not always the thing that unites us Mm -hmm. it can be some other things that are not necessarily bad things but they're not the gospel and so it's nice to have um, the gospel and the doctrines of grace as something that to have in common with, with guys like you and Jason. And, um, and the, I don't know a lot of the other pastors and that's probably my fault that I've not reached out to some of the other ones that you have mentioned, but I do know over the years uh, just like Tim Sigmund came up last year. And uh, when I was doing the ordination process with the Alliance, it, it's pretty intense, which is good. They, they, they vet the, the candidates well. And I like that. But it, it did require a lot of travel, and I was working full-time at, at the same time. And so Tim came up and preached. And to be able to, to get a hold of you, Tim, and say, uh-huh. you know, I need someone, because you don't want to just put anyone in the pulpit. And so that, that, to me, is a tremendous blessing to have that kind of a resource. And even back in the Grace and Truth days, you yeah. know, you came up, some of the other brothers came up and, and preached, and and that is just a tremendous blessing to know you have that like-mindedness.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the joys for us, uh, m- many of our church family, of course, know Troy Silver, uh, yes. and Troy has uh, finished up his college, taking a job there in Philippi, and, you know, it was a blessing to me to be able to say, hey, there's a good church just like Randolph Street there in Philippi, and introduce him, and I know he's coming there now, and mm-hmm. trust that'll be a A blessing for your church and for him as well as the Lord continues to direct in his life. Uh, So having those things are a great blessing. We're looking forward at some point uh, when this COVID lets up and uh, maybe is not impacting international travel and ministry as much uh, to be able to network together as churches to uh, take on the, the ministry of teaching some brothers pastors down in Bolivia. And I look forward to your being able to be a part of that as well. I know that you will relate well to them, they to you, and will be a great blessing to them. Um, You have a lot of experience and, you know, you've planted a church. uh, You're pastoring a church in Appalachia. Uh, What do you think is the best way to, to reach people in Appalachia to be able to see them trained in
1: the truth of God's word? Um yeah, so so to reach people, and, and this is um this is just something I, I've I've come to understand, and this just may be a little more local for us, I'm not sure. But what I have found is that the best way I think to reach people is through the workplace. And that's that's not sexy, and there's I'm not gonna write a book on it and sell millions of copies, but I've found even living here my entire life, and I'm almost 48. Um the community aspect is, is really not that great. We have this, there's kind of this picture of, of Appalachia as this, and I live in the country in a rural area of this great rural community where everybody knows everybody. And mm-hmm. and that's just not been the case um, for, for us and for a lot of the other folks. It's just our, it's, it's hard to reach people um, in, in these communities, because we really don't interact that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like people, if, if they want to live in the country, they want to live in the country because they don't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so so what we found is is the workplace. Um, the, the workplace is, is where the relationships are to begin to reach people, because I think the relationships are, are, are so key, and I'm not against, you know, a, a mass evangelism or street mm-hmm. preaching or anything like that, but but to have a, a relationship with someone um, that is strong enough to carry the, the truth of the gospel, that, that's what we, we have seen. We've not seen major success with it, honestly, but uh, I, I think that is the avenue is to reach people more through the workplace, probably than, than other avenues. Um, boy, to, to get people trained. That, that's a tough one, um, because. There there just has to be a work of God in the soul of a person. (laughs) And that's been my experience personally. And that's what I see with other people. And here's what I mean by that. Prior to 2005, Tim, I couldn't tell you what book I had ever read. I I just, I didn't read. I I played football and (laughs) uh, I just didn't read. And when I went to college, I mean, I I graduated with a, a bachelor's degree in sports medicine and graduated with honors. I read what I had to read. And that was it. Um, And then when God called me to preach, I I, I read I'm always reading something now, probably to a fault. I probably read too much and too fast and miss a lot of stuff. Um, And but the struggle I've seen is a lot of people that I seek to disciple uh, are, are like I was prior to 2005. When you start talking about reading a book, it's just that. And so that that that's the struggle is is how do you then get the information to them that they need. And then maybe I'm maybe I'm dealing with people that you know the, the spirit's not dealt with yet to, to move in that way. But well, that's and I know that really wasn't your question, is wait, what do you find difficult? Well no, I,
0: I think uh, it's interesting. Uh, some of the other guys that we've interviewed have you know commented in similar ways that expositional preaching. They have found to be such a key because it ties someone into a a, a very you know step by step process of learning God's word, seeing truth build upon truth. and uh, they have found that to be a, a great, great help. I think all of us face that same challenge of you know people maybe not being diligent to to study and to read uh, because, it is through the reading of God's word that our minds are captured. You know, we both spoke about that, that we didn't grow up in a Reformed uh, home or anything like that where reform theology was taught, but it is engaging in the Scriptures. So I appreciate your answer very much. Well, we're about finished up on our time here, Wade. Uh, tell our people how we can best pray for you, for your ministry there at Living Waters, for your family, Uh, whatever it might be, how can we best engage in praying for you?
1: I I think the, what what I would ask, and and this is one of the, one of the several things I I pray regularly for our church is that we would have a hunger for, for the word of God, for Christ, for the gospel. Amen. Um, We, and again, that sounds simple, but, But, and we've got good folks. I mean, we, most of our people are middle-aged with kids. We've got a bunch of little kids, but I I do notice the world, the flesh and the devil do their work of drawing these middle-aged folks so quickly away. There's always something, you know, there's always something to be busy with um, to, to draw us away from that centrality. So I think that is what I would ask to pray that, that our people are more and more, we are growing, but we have a lot of room for growth, um, that, but that our people would have a growing desire, a hunger for, for Christ and for the gospel and for the word. And I just kind of lump all those together to not, not be distracted with other things, but to really, really draw in and focus on that, because I think everything else comes from that, so that yeah. desire to read comes from that, that desire to share the gospel comes from that, so everything's going to flow out of that centrality right, of Christ.
0: Well, very good. Well, brother, you are a delight to me. Uh, our, we've enjoyed our friendship uh, over these past mm-hmm. nine years, and we uh, I'm glad to be able to interview you. I'm glad for our people to get to know you a little bit better. Hopefully the next time you and Jamie are down, people will recognize that pretty face of yours and uh, come and uh, visit with you and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Brother, if there's anything we can do to be of help, I trust you'll reach out and we'll do the same to you. And again, thank you for your time today. I'm I'm sorry we couldn't do it in person and uh, enjoy lunch together today, but Uh, I am thankful for your willingness to, to join us today and trust your blessings upon your ministry there. Thank you. My pleasure. Very good. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Tim. Goodbye.